Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hello and welcome to episode 171 of the UK True Crime Weekly podcast. I'm Adam. Thanks for joining me today. I'm taking part in Podcast Live Crime, a podcast festival over two evenings dedicated to murder, investigations and bad behaviour. Join me at Wilton's Music Hall in Whitechapel on Tuesday the 7th of April and Wednesday the 8th of April. I'm recording a live show on stage on Tuesday the 7th of April at 9.30. It should be a lot of fun, if I can stay away from the bar that is, with podcasts like Red Handed, Real Crime Profile and Unheard, the Fred and Rose West tapes performing live. Come and join us. You can get your tickets at podcastlive.com or for a link, go to my website, uktruecrime.com. And whilst there, please take a look at an excellent personal article written by Kira, the UK-based host of the Murder and More podcast titled True Crime Save Me, but it also ruined me. It's well worth a read. This week's show is sponsored by BetterHelp. That is better... H-E-L-P. Is there something interfering with your happiness or preventing you from achieving your goals? Maybe you're struggling with confidence or to get back to normal after bereavement. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It's a professional counselling done securely online, which is much more convenient and financially affordable than traditional offline counselling. And by scheduling weekly video or phone sessions, you won't ever have to sit in that uncomfortable waiting room again. And you can log on and message your counsellor anytime. Take a look at what customers are saying about the service at betterhelp.com reviews and how it's helped so many people. So visit betterhelp.com forward slash true crime. That's better, H-E-L-P. And join the over 700,000 people taking charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. And there's a special offer for you as a listener to the UK True Crime Podcast as you'll get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com forward slash true crime. Have you tried HelloFresh yet? If not, give it a go now. HelloFresh makes it easy for you to cook delicious home-cooked meals from scratch. Choose your favourite recipes from a changing weekly menu and they'll deliver all the fresh pre-portioned ingredients you need to cook them straight to your door. That means no planning, no shopping and no food waste. The helping hand that you need to cook fresh at home. I love the ease of cooking quick healthy food and not having the hassle of trailing around the supermarket where I always buy all the wrong stuff. This week I love the brown rice burrito bake with roasted sweet potato and red peppers and next week the dinner I'm looking forward to the most is the harissa butternutan chickpea pie with feta and spinach. Yummy. Go and check out the menu now for the simple way to cook fresh. HelloFresh is offering you, as a listener to this podcast, 50% off your first box and 35% off the next three boxes. Just head to hellofresh.co.uk and use the code CRIME to receive 50% off your first box and 35% off the next three. Just head to hellofresh.co.uk 
to choose your favourite recipes for your first box. Before we begin, a huge thank you to all my supporters at Patreon, especially this week's new members of this exclusive club. That's Rachel Gibbs, Sophie Daniels, Jules Jules and Leon McKenzie. Thank you all so much for your support, which is much appreciated. Let's take a quick look at the music we were listening to at the time of today's events, the 17th of November, 2006. Top of the UK charts was everyone's favourite edgy rappers talking about the reality of life on the tough streets. Yup, it was Westlife with The Rose. In the US, The Trouser Snake featuring IT was in the top spot with My Love. And in Australia, the top album this week was Human Nature with Dancing in the Streets, The Sound of Motown 2. <laughs> Not exactly a vintage bunch, I would suggest. In the news this month, Saddam Hussein was sentenced to death at his trial. The latest Bond film, Casino Royale, premiered in London, with Daniel Craig in the starring role for the first time. And in UK true crime news, 53-year-old Ronald Castry was arrested in connection with the murder of 11-year-old Leslie Molseed in 1975. Stefan Kisko had spent 16 years in jail for the crime before his conviction was quashed in 1992. Castry would be convicted of the crime in November 2007 and poor Stefan Kitsko was destroyed by his time in prison and tragically died of a heart attack in October 1993. Let's get on with today's story. I bet you know someone like 19-year-old Mark Bajant in 1998. He was arrogant and had that self-assured swagger for reasons hard to understand. He'd carried out a post office raid that year and made a complete mess of it but as a rather immature 19-year-old, he had to share his account of what he had done with others, boasting that he'd still managed to get away with the job. He of course bragged to his brother James, who was three years older, and their half-brother, Andrew Scanlon, who was eight years his senior. But the smile soon left his face as he was in fact arrested for the post office raid and sentenced to four and a half years in prison for the crime. He was devastated and bitter, sure that he was only caught as someone must have grasped him to the police. And he and his brother James believed that the grass was their half-brother, Andrew. Mark's mum, Linda, was of course beside herself with worry and concern when Mark was sent to jail. She lived in Spalding, Lincolnshire, and whilst Mark was inside, her pain was eased by the time she spent with Andrew's three children who lived nearby. But Mark's sentence contributed to a really poor downturn in Linda's health, and just a few years after Mark was released, on October the 18th, 2006, Linda died of cancer, aged just 55. Her family were devastated to lose Linda at such a young age, no one more so than Mark. But he didn't just feel grief, he felt anger, bitterness, and that he needed someone to blame. And this was all directed at his half-brother, Andrew Scanlon, who he held personally accountable for his mum's death. Mark told a friend a couple of weeks before Linda's death that he and his brother James blamed Andrew for his mum's ill health. After all, if he hadn't grasped Mark, it wouldn't have caused her all the upset and contributed to her illness. And they also felt she'd been burdened by looking after Andrew's three children due to his lack of ability to cope as a parent. How much of this was true and how much was that Linda just wanted to spend time with her grandchildren is unclear. Mark told one friend that he couldn't do anything about the situation while their mum was alive, as she wouldn't want any harm to come to Andrew. 
but as far as Mark was concerned, he was a dead man walking. He told his pal that once his mum was dead, Andrew was family no longer in his mind, and all the rules would change. And he was good to his word. After Linda died, Mark turned up at Andrew's door and told him that he wasn't welcome at his mum's funeral. The funeral came and went, and as is always the case, the family all returned to their normal life despite the huge void caused by such a significant loss. I always struggle with that, as other people just go about their everyday lives as normal, when nothing is close to normal for you. Do you? But then a few weeks later, in November 2006, Andrew Scanlon disappeared. His girlfriend, Louise, told police she'd last seen him at their home in Peterborough. He was excited that day as he'd been called by Linda's family to say they needed to discuss Linda's will. This meant he was likely to come into some money, which was always good news for Andrew as money was tight. So Andrew jumped into his old Ford Escort and told Louise that he was meeting the Bajan brothers and was heading off to the south coast to meet with the family solicitor to discuss the contents of the will. In the early hours of the next day, Andrew sent Louise a text saying, Mates have dropped me off in London. We'll call in next few days. But after that, nothing. Andrew did not make any contact with Louise or answer any of her calls or texts, which was totally out of character for him. Louise called the police and reported Andrew Scanlon as missing. She told police she was certain that Andrew was with the Bajan brothers, James and Mark. But when police called on them, they told police there must be some mistake, as they hadn't seen Andrew for ages and they had no interest or intention of seeing him any time soon. But detectives were suspicious, and a simple check of phone records showed that James Bajant had travelled to Peterborough from his home in Santa Surrey on the 17th of November 2006, the day that Andrew Scanlon had left his home to discuss Linda's will. So he was lying about not seeing Andrew, but why? And then there were sightings of Andrew with three men, One was believed to be Mark, now working in a local factory. Another, his brother James, a newspaper sales rep. And another friend of theirs, 36-year-old Jeff Wood, a local tree surgeon and martial arts expert. The three men were arrested, but only answered no comment in their interviews with detectives. He feared as the days passed that the case was moving from a missing persons investigation to a murder inquiry. And then there was a sudden breakthrough in the case. On the advice of his solicitor, friend of the Bajant brothers, Jeff Wood, confessed to being involved in Andrew's murder, telling detectives that it wasn't his fault, he hadn't been responsible for the killing, he had just helped to bury the body. He agreed to show them the spot, and in a rather gruesome, eerie scene, police drove Jeff in handcuffs to secluded woodland in Sandy Hill near Aldershot. It was there that shock detectives found Andrew's badly decomposed and mutilated body in two shallow graves. It was a particularly unpleasant scene, even for hardened forensic experts, who recovered a beaten torso with arms and legs and part of a head, severed at the lower jaw in one of the graves, and two hands and the rest of the head were found in the other. It was clear that Andrew had been brutally attacked, and it took ID from his dental records to confirm that it was in fact him. Exactly how he died was unclear, and the pathologist responsible for discovering the cause of death said, The reason that the science and medical evidence can only go so far is that after he died his body was mutilated. 
His head was cut off and both his hands were cut off as well. His dismembered head and hands together with what was left of his body were found buried in woodland near to the outskirts of Aldershot. The investigation stepped up to find the evidence needed to charge the three men and quickly other information came to the fore. The pathologist examining Andrew's body found a flake of paint embedded in his neck from the weapon that was used to remove his head from his torso and that weapon was located in Jeff Wood's house. And Mark Bajan's girlfriend stepped forward to say that he had boasted about committing the murder, showing that he'd learnt very little from the time in 1998 that he'd been caught boasting about the bungled raid on the post office. And James's wife, 28-year-old Charlotte Bajant, was also unable to keep details of the murder to herself. A witness told detectives that a week after the murder, Charlotte was drinking heavily at her own birthday party when she managed to get into a drunken row with another woman. This, this bizarrely escalated to the stage where she told the woman that her husband James would kill the woman's partner, adding, he's done it before and he'll do it again. And she boasted that with her help, he'd covered up all his tracks, leaving no evidence behind. This evidence fitted with neighbours who'd seen the brothers and Charlotte scouring the interior of James's car with sellotape wrapped around their fingers to remove incriminating hairs and fibres the day after Andrew went missing. Charlotte happened to be a big fan of the CSI crime programmes and was the person detectives believed who'd come up with the idea of taping the car to get rid of the forensic evidence, even using a fluorescent police lamp. But they hadn't done quite a good enough job as forensics experts managed to find four fibres from Andrew's coat present, showing that he had been in the car. And detectives also believed that Charlotte had used her CSI knowledge to dispose of the bloody clothes belonging to the three men immediately after the murder. Piecing together the evidence of what had happened to Andrew, detectives believed that James had been trying to cover his actions and had done so by taking his two young daughters with him to Andrew's house on the 17th of November. He then picked up his brother Mark before heading to Andrew's home on the pretense that they needed to settle their mum's will. Once Andrew was in the car, James sent a text to his wife Charlotte saying, We've got him. Once at James's house, they dropped off the children and then picked up Jeff Woods before heading deep into the forest where Andrew was murdered between midnight and about 1.35am. The false text message was then sent to Andrew's girlfriend Louise saying he'd gone to London to try to throw her off the trail. What actually happened in the woods is probably best explained by another witness interviewed by detectives, a friend of Linda's, called Mandy. She said that on a holiday in Greece in November 2006, shortly after the killing, Mark had told her that he, James and Jeff Woods had indeed murdered Andrew. She said, and I quote from her later appearance in court, it was something like, we've got Andrew, we killed him. He said it in an excited way. He told her the three of them had driven to a remote spot where the men got out of the car, pretending it was because they needed to wee. But they bottled killing him. But Andrew had clocked the axe and the baseball bat in the back of the car, and it had been obvious at this time that Andrew had realised something was going on and was becoming nervous and suspicious. She said Mark Bajant told her he played the role of comforter, and Mandy told detectives he told me, I told him not to worry, that James's mate only wanted to talk to him. I was there to keep him safe. 
assured him that nothing would happen to him. She added, he said to me that James had beaten him with a baseball bat. He was saying, please, please think about my little girls. He kept begging and begging. Mark kept beating him with the bat, but he wouldn't die. I thought, come on. And that's when I broke his neck. From just those few words, we can begin to imagine the horror of his final moments. On his knees, pleading for his life in the dark, wintry woods, with family members around him who he thought he could trust. At just 35, father of three, Andrew Scanlon, lost his life in the forest. Other points arose in the investigation. One was that James's wife Charlotte was actually having an affair with a third man involved in the murder, Jeff Woods. Brothers Mark and James, Jeff Woods and Charlotte Badgent all stood trial at Cambridge Crown Court in January 2008. They pleaded not guilty to the charges before them. As we so often hear on this podcast, the strong bonds that had linked the alleged killers before the crime were quickly dissolved as each fought for their own freedom. The two brothers said that murder was never the plan. They planned to just embarrass Andrew by stripping him and leaving him somewhere, like an unfunny stag do prank from the 90s. But before this could happen, they claimed, Jeff Woods took it on himself to strangle Andrew, then forced them to carry the body into the forest for burial. In fact, let's go directly to Mark Bajant's evidence, see what you make of it. He told how he asked James to stop the car so he could go to the toilet. But he needed a dark area because he had a condition which meant he had to hide when he went for a wee. He claimed that whilst doing so, he saw a silhouette of Woods and Andrew Scanlon fighting and he soon realised that Andrew was dead. He said, I was stunned, shocked as I approached and witnessed Mr Woods killing my brother. I'm afraid my reactions left me. As for Woods, he stuck to his original story and said that Andrew was already dead when he became involved and he only helped bury him as he was concerned by the threats made by the brothers. There was silence in court as the jury returned to give their verdicts. Guilty. The jury found all three men guilty of murder and they were sentenced to life in prison with James Bajant ordered to serve a minimum tariff of 24 years, Mark Bajant 22 years, and Woods 20 years. Passing sentence, Mr Justice Calvert-Smith said, Andrew Scanlon was kidnapped, humiliated and killed. Knowledge gained from watching hours of CSI tapes was used in an attempt to disguise the traces of the crime. These attempts were far from perfect and there were a number of oversights, especially mobile phone calls and inconsistent stories. He concluded that James had been the ringleader, Mark had delivered the final blow and Wood's axe had been used to cut off Andrew's head. James's wife Charlotte was sent to prison for 12 months for assisting an offender and perverting the course of justice. The judge told her, You pretended you knew nothing about the death of Andrew Scanlon. You then boasted, albeit under the influence of alcohol, at your own birthday party that your husband had killed a man and could do so again if necessary and you boasted you had got rid of bloody clothing and cleaned the cars. You boasted that not only had your husband committed murder, but he'd gotten away with it. It was hardly the behaviour of someone who was upset and sorry about the murder of a fellow human being. And years later, the detective who ran the investigation, Detective Birch, was taken back to the scene of the murder in the dense forest near Aldershot. 
he was widely quoted as saying the following. This is a blood feud. Standing here in the forest is like being in a horror film. I'm sure on the night when he was being murdered, it was the worst of horrors. So what do you make of what we've heard today? Another terrible, lonely death where we can only imagine what Andrew Scanlon went through in his last moments. And we don't like to ponder on the horror that his partner, friends and family must feel when they allow themselves to think of his last hour on this planet. At court, Woods Barrister stated that his client was fully aware that there was a contract on his life and he had grasped on the Bajant brothers. Another episode of grassing, which was of course the issue at the very start of this story and which supposedly cost Andrew his life. Who knows if Andrew Scanlon did indeed grasp on Mark Bangent about the post office raid all those years ago. But even if he did, the punishment dished out was hugely excessive, ruining so many lives. Thank you for listening to this episode of the UK True Crime Weekly podcast. To discuss this story or any aspect of UK True Crime, please head to the Facebook group where you can join almost 10,000 of us. And to support the show, please head to patreon.com slash UKTrueCrime, where you'll find almost 40 bonus episodes and lots of other exclusive content. So that's all from me for this week. So until we speak again, please do get your ticket for Podcast Live and head to BetterHelp and HelloFresh. So until we speak again next week or tomorrow, if you're heading for the live show at Dingwalls in Camden, please take it easy. And most of all, do stay classy. Cheerio. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today. To, has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.